there's stigma, there's negative connotation when you say strip club or gentleman's club and people think certain things. And a very typical example is something I experienced where this man, he wanted to have sex with me because he said that he has sex with his wife and it's good and he enjoys it, but she's just not hot anymore. He's not attracted to her. You're diving deep with Destin. Sex, love, and evolution. I have quite a history with what I dubbed the spiritually oriented stripper. Uh, <laughs> that they are, have been a rarity in in the stripper world, and yet somehow, historically, I've been a magnet for them. <laughs> Especially during what, what I refer to as my erotic rock star years, where it was basically just a stream <laughs> of uh, these spiritually oriented strippers who came to my life, uh, starting with um, Kirsten, uh, who I write about extensively in my book, who started it all. And I don't know, I guess I got hooked because <laughs> immediately after there was another one, except whereas Kirsten was a uh stripper and trapeze artist clown stilt walking circus performer this next one was a uh stripper and uh hoop artist and <laughs> and worked in portland's only vegan strip club and, I know about that. yeah yeah uh the Dia diablo dentian something like oh, that oh yeah it was a long time ago uh and it just it literally was one after the other either they were strippers when they first came into my life they became strippers while we were together or they became strippers shortly after we parted uh maybe there it, it touched some other aspect of the sex industry uh often like a webcam um doing webcam work um amongst other things <laughs> pro-dom <laughs> over that time i think that i've just always been i think it's in many ways i'm just the male version of that you know <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you're laughing because you know it's true <laughs> perfect so before i continue on about me um so uh, we've gotten we've known each other now for somewhere in the vicinity of 10 years yeah 11 and thereabouts and um yeah it must be 11 to 12 then uh wow yeah i call her maria in the book by the way so <laughs> so let's let's use that uh that we have a very interesting overlap in how we connected because i was meeting your then husband in a tony robbins leadership mastery training at the same weekend that you were in vegas getting to know maria who was my girlfriend at the time in the Vegas strip clubs, mm -hmm. Dermot Rhino, I believe. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, you know, we all ended up connecting. Um, I still have a, a good friendship with your former husband, and we have continued to uh, cultivate our friendship as well. You are, in many ways, still my, my strong, my longest, strongest connection to stripper world slash conscious stripper world I, I refer to it as spiritually oriented stripper because they they came in various stripes but you know they're they're on some form of spiritual developmental path where their sexuality was a core part of that expression and discovery process something i think we both relate 
Yeah, I've been calling them ayahuasca strippers, so I like this the spiritual stripper has better rights. I don't know. I, you know, ayahuasca was no. not as uh, predominant then, because I'm old, as it is now. And, uh, you know, the, at least the first handful of the spiritually oriented strippers weren't... Kind of drank ayahuasca. Yeah, mm -hmm. certainly wasn't a big thing for them. Mm -hmm. um, I say the first handful. I'd say there were two, two and a half handfuls of them. <laughs> in varying forms of leadership and there's friendships like this right so uh, i think this is an area that's interesting to a lot of people because most people if they have any touch points to stripper world which believe it or not a lot of people don't at all but if they do it's generally as you know a, a paying customer walking in um let's start a little bit with your biography of your history like how did you how did, how did you get here? And I, let's start. No, how did you get there? How did how did you first kind of come into your erotic self and recognizing that as a core part of your identity, core part of your dharma, spiritual path? It's a really big question. Yeah, it's so easy. Uh, can I start with the really what we silly metaphysical? Yeah, answer? let's let's go metaphysical and then work our way more grounded. It was very <laughs> recently that I learned that my great grandmother ran a brothel right. in uh, Wisconsin, and that really struck me. Uh -huh. uh, it's in your DNA. So appropriate. Yeah, I really do believe that. Actually, I really do, because. It's hard to say where it began because it felt like it was always there. But of course, I can't step into my four-year-old self and ask if she was experiencing her erotic innocence. But I believe that she was. Uh, so there's that. And then there was a family reunion also very recently, maybe four years ago now, where my cousin, my favorite, one of my favorite cousins, she jumps up on a, a light post and starts swinging on it um, during a funeral, mind you, an after funeral party. And looks at me and says, Lana, didn't she know that you're from a family of strippers? And I was like, what? No, you're not, you're not a stripper. I'm pretty sure you've never been a stripper. And she's like, oh yeah, we're all strippers. I'm like is she drunk or i didn't dig into it any deeper okay. but that was a really important moment for me so does she mean literally or does she mean figuratively like the stripper archetype i think she means both uh -huh. because her sister's daughter is actually a dancer okay she's a few years younger than me and i learned that also not that long ago so we've got this energy brewing in our dna and how how long have you like when did you first become a stripper or a dancer yeah so the the short story is i i traveled abroad i went to france i was there for a while and came back to the u.s and said what the hell am i doing here i need money fast i need it now and i need to get the hell out of this country i want to go back to france and that was really the impetus that how was. old were you 22 22 okay. wasn't the the 18 year old baby stripper uh, you're a two-year-old baby stripper. Yeah, it's still young. It's still young, but I didn't step into that world the second that I was able to. That sure. sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So that was the, you know, the catalyst. I just wanted money fast. I wanted to get out. And I had a girlfriend who said, "Hey, I've been dancing. I've been making really good money. Come dance with me." So we're at a dive bar club in the middle of the fuck nowhere, Wisconsin, and I don't think that. 
I, there was not a pull at that moment for me to stay in that industry, besides the fact that it was so, it felt so free. Like I could come whenever I want, leave whenever I want. I didn't have to create a schedule or whatever. Uh, it wasn't until I had done it for a few years that I started to unlock some things and open some things. And I think that was directly related to being in a committed, intimate relationship with the man that you know, um, my ex-husband. And we were practicing Tantra together and studying with our teachers that we studied with for quite some time, Freddie and Elspeth, um, of Tantra Nova. They're incredible. And Very cool. incredible teachers. I'm so... So we'll get back to that because I, you know, I am curious about that where Tantra came in and just your overall spiritual awakening. But right now it's more of like your erotic awakening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, there was something there before I stepped into a strip club. Uh, notably, because I'm able to remember this because there was evidence. I remember watching Madonna's... Uh, <laughs> Madonna's performance during one of her like live shows or whatever that my mom had recorded on the VHS pops it in and there's Madonna on the bed like almost <laughs> almost completely naked like writhing on the bed like humping maybe one of her backup dancers she was just humping and I was like what what is this what I want this life <laughs> I want this life <laughs> I'm like, I'm check <laughs> and so you it. did <laughs> I mean I feel like I've always been able to tap into my arousal like at four years old I remember feeling arousal five six playing house as a four-year-old just like grinding on someone and like the friction was like activating and finding corners to make out like literally make out with my boyfriend at five years old and you know there was like there was energy there so to get a little personal again <laughs> this time more on you um the general story out there is that if a child that young is exploring their sexuality then an adult must have introduced it to them an adult must have molested them etc etc was this true for you was this not how do you feel about that story yep yep uh i was i think i was six uh when i'm just gonna be really blatant because it's also in my book when my oh, i'm sorry no, wait, what's the book uh erotic hustle redefining sin through sacred sexuality and psychedelics erotic hustle redefining sin through sacred sexuality and psychedelics you got it a lot of great words so my cousin who i think was 13 said come to the bathroom with me there are suckers in the bathroom on the back of the toilet seat and i was like this is okay i'll take a sucker uh so we went to the bathroom i sat on the toilet seat where he directed me to and said just close your eyes and open your mouth and he turned the lights off and then he put his penis in my mouth and that was it there was nothing else that like it ended there um and i remember everything which is wild sometimes there's i've blocked out so many weird things in my childhood but that was very crisp and then he said how was that and i was just like 
I don't know. And I walked out, walked upstairs. And I, like, I can imagine you using that voice too. I don't know. Oh, just like, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to say? Clearly I know what happened. I'm not like, that was not a sucker, Jimmy. So I went, I went upstairs and I said to my dad, Jimmy put his penis in my mouth. Um, and I just remember my dad getting really red, standing up really fast. I think the chair flung somewhere. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to dad, Jimmy, Jimmy's dad. I don't know what happened. But I know that I never saw or talked to Jimmy again uh, um, after that day. What kind of an impact did that leave on you? It's so hard to say. I think that it didn't, even when I speak it, as you can probably see, there's not like a heaviness. I don't feel like, I'm not going to tear up. I don't feel nauseous. I think it actually made me curious about my own sexuality more than it was, you know, it didn't feel dark and heavy and malicious. Uh, even though, you know, we all know that was fucked up with Jimmy. We do. So, uh, <laughs> it, I'm, I guess I'm just left curious, like, uh, you do, like, did you do a lot of work around this with the other therapist or with ayahuasca or other things that's helped it not be heavy for you or do you feel like you never really had a sense of heaviness around it i've done a lot of work uh, and that hasn't been the thing that's come up mm -hmm. and that doesn't feel heavy i think the things that have come up more mm -hmm. are me violating myself and they're more energetic and me being with somebody who i was just uh, all right i'm kind of into it or they're kind of my partner or they even are my partner and them entering me without me feeling safe or feeling connected or them taking time oh hold on that you're that, that that i would say is near universal amongst women and something that not only it are we not really talking about very much as a society but i don't think like i want you to repeat it because I don't think men really get this because I know I didn't for very, very long, easily into my 30s. But I think this is a near universal experience. And the fact that is that it leaves a trauma. It may, it may not be the same capital T trauma as childhood molestation. Um, but as you can see, like in, in your case, it seems it, you speak of as, no, this left a, a heavier mark on you. So say it again and let's break it down a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting into the nuance of it now, just like actually feeling it in order to express it. And I'm thinking of being with actually someone that I felt that I was in love with, a partner, and we were making love, but it was like, he wasn't reading me. It was too rough. It was too fast. It was like too aggressive. Like my spine actually started hurting. And in that moment, I felt not that I was being raped. There needs to be a better word for it, but I felt that I was not i'm gonna say violated yeah yeah i was not open i wasn't receiving but i was receiving so it was violation for and sure it's, it's really like yeah i i've i've studied these things from every angle po possible for a very long time and <laughs> thinking about it through both women's perspectives and men's perspectives you know we're touching on something i you know matters to me <laughs> clearly um but this to me is why I put such a heavy emphasis on attunement and teaching men about attunement. 
because we don't have a language for this. It's like, well, I didn't rape her. She never said no. She, you know, I would have stopped if she said anything, you know, even, um, you know, all these different things. And it's like, as you said, we don't have the right words for it in, in our normal language. Calling it rape doesn't feel like it's does justice to a more coercive rape, but it's still traumatizing. Yeah. I didn't realize it actually until maybe only six months ago. Uh, I had a session with some quantum healer over the phone and I just, so many parts of it, I felt like, okay, this is wooey. This is ridiculous. Why am I even doing this? But she said, okay, so tell me about the rape. And I said, I, I was never raped. And she said, you've been raped many times. And I said, all right, lady, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. Uh, and then she said, you know, it wasn't rape that was like very on the forefront. Like it was energetically, you know, violation like you just said, but she kept using the word rape and it confused me. And as I processed it, I said, oh, wow. And I think that I've continued to do it even recently, been in, you know, a situation where somebody that I actually was connected to and I'm like, all right, this is actually not how I want to be made love to. This isn't how I want to be touched. And I feel like you should know that. I feel like you should be picking it up, but you're not, even if I say something. So yes, you can teach men about this, but also they're never going to know how it feels. So how do we articulate? Oh, that? this is why I think men should be penetrated. <laughs> That's the only thing there is. That's the only place to go, isn't it? Because <laughs> they have to be then, on the receiving end. Then wow. you know. Then you know what wow. it's. It, it. That's a doorway. A doorway to empathy. All right, some men do. <laughs> I can actually pick out a couple situations with partners, and they were like, "Okay, let's do this." Oh wait, that's not enough lube. That's not you know like no no, no it's too fast. And I did actually get to experience that shift and dynamic but i think that you know again correct me if i'm wrong i don't have the same kind of experience that you do even though i have experience being um you know my god like uh yeah not a lot i mean everything's relative a lot less than you (laughs) i'm guessing (laughs) and so like you're like okay look slow highly tuned in and you know with something relatively small and i'm down <laughs> those are my conditions <laughs> and you know there's heavy prefacing going on <laughs> in order to to kind of take care of it, to protect for me to feel safe and you know protect myself about the very thing that you're speaking about but i think it's still important for us to, to further break this down like what what we really mean here do you want to give it a go do you want me to try a little bit more I think we can work at this together okay. because I'm thinking about all of the. We are experienced in certain ways. People, you know, all have their own experiences to draw from to understand this. I don't know if it's possible because I'm speaking from meeting hundreds and hundreds. I don't know, a thousand. I don't even know what the number is. So many men mm-hmm. over the course of over a decade in strip clubs. Um, in all realms, like as a dominatrix and a webcam model, I've met so many men and it's like speaking a foreign language to them. There, it's, there's no getting in there. So where is the access? 
the getting in as far as the understanding of the experience of being penetrated exactly that yeah. and just energetic awareness like okay maybe they understand it but how do they attune themselves so that they can actually understand how to approach this and yeah so i've been i i've been spent i've spent much of the past decade trying to answer that question <laughs> doing so many different things and some things have been uh extremely effective some things have been less effective so a lot of like you know tinkering around uh i personally believe that well one he has to want to he has to see a reason to and that's usually usually something's not working and he's getting some sort of clear sign that something is not working that's ha that's strong enough for him to be like i have to give this my attention now, sometimes it's like something really intense, like um, a somebody he loves breaking up with him or divorce. Um, uh, sometimes it's he starts having performance issues in one form or another, or uh, his lover, wife, whatever, set, lets him know in one form that he's had better and it hits him like a ton of bricks cool. you know yeah <laughs> so the, the variety of things in this camp that can have him be like oh shit i really need to give, give this attention but you're right otherwise the the bar is not that high there's there's not a lot there's not necessarily a lot of reason and no friends but as long as women will just keep fucking them why 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 change? It really makes me want to talk about this situation that I brought up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wait, no, no, not yet. No, yeah. Let's let's see it for a moment. So, so what we're really talking about is attunement, right? What we're talking about as being feeling like a violation is this feeling of you are letting, in whatever degree of control you feel that you have, uh, letting yourself be penetrated by somebody or touched even by somebody in a way that does not feel good in your body. And that ultimately even feels like a violation of your body, of your energy, of, of your space, but you are um, dealing with it, putting up with it. You know, I, I just recently took on a new lover and part of my preface with her as we were, we were, getting into things as i said um uh, i like to have what i call a desires fears and boundaries conversation yeah and boundaries slash requests and my my boundaries slash request is i don't want you to ever put up with anything as in our yeah. sexual interactions i don't want you to like deal with anything that does not feel feeling good for you mm -hmm. like no i don't want that it doesn't feel good to me <laughs> <laughs> like speak up let me know how are, now in some ways again this is something i've learned to do to kind of protect myself because no i don't want that i don't want anybody walking away from an experience with me either feeling violated in some way or even having less than fucking stellar experience and and, and don't get me wrong women have walked away from me having less than stellar experiences it's largely been a combination of our particular dynamic and or the space I was in at the time, but I know when I'm, when I'm good and we're good, <laughs> you know? So I, I want to know, like, that's part of how I take care, try to take care of myself and create a sense of safety for both of us really. But still it doesn't, that's not the end, you know, to me, that's like laying a foundation, but then I, it's, I've still developed a hyper attunement. 
And I get that the level of attunement. Which is rare. Yes, I have so so I have heard from many many people. <laughs> um, usually more in the line, lines of never experienced it before. Yeah. So, so hyper attunement is is one thing. Um, a some of it might be innate natural gift, so to speak, part of my childhood trauma and learning to develop a hypersensitivity to my environment, needing to be hyper tuned in to the people around me because who knows what volatility is going to arise at any time. Can Believe we me. toss in psychedelics here? I mean, I know that you're not like. It's not your life, but you've experienced psychedelics. psychedelics are a part of my life. They really, like, really yeah. help people get attuned. Well, there you go. There I, you go. I mean, not everybody's open to consuming psychedelics, but if you do want to become attuned to your lover or love making, you can fucking mushrooms. Like, it honestly, helps. it's like the magic, you know. I mean, and you can really tell what you're fucking up, too. You know, it's like a quick. I mean, you say that, but the, the, the psychedelic world has its own Me Too issues. It's true. You have to do it in a safe container with a lover. You have to discuss everything. It's not like you just like, you know, eat some mushrooms and start swiping on Tinder. It's less than not the vibe. <laughs> so <laughs> allowing allowing something in either physically or energetically that your body is actually really a no to, and either ignoring it or overriding it or allowing it to be overridden. And again, I think that as you said, because. It, most men don't actually have the experience of being penetrated, don't have the experience of being with somebody who's larger and stronger than them, possibly even holding them down. <laughs> Maybe even it's that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it, I think that it's hard for a lot of men to really understand how deeply vulnerable it is. I'm I'm just waiting to see how long your your that's gonna land in you. Yeah. So what's all that bringing up for you? Because <laughs> it's clearly bringing something up. It's just wild that I can be with somebody that I'm madly in love with and still feel like they're not there. Like, oh yeah, this feels good for me. It'll feel good for you eventually, like, if I just keep, like, you in this fucked up position and, like, just relax into it while I just hit it harder. And it's, like, it still doesn't feel good. Like, my back hurts and, like, I don't really like it. Like, this angle isn't working for me. I mean, it's so, especially me, it's so nuanced, I feel, that because I'm so sensitive. Yeah, you're... I'm... Hypersense. Yeah, yeah, you're like a canary in the coal mine. <laughs> in all areas, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming it's also the case in sex. <laughs> it's, you, you got kind of the princess and the pea oh, thing going it's on. It's fucking beyond. <laughs> I'm full on princess and the pea. But I have found that, you know, I was with the, the man that, you know, my ex-husband for 11 years. And it just, the more time we spent together, the more connected we were you just unite with someone you merge and that's the whole tantric aspect of it all and for so long I thought oh I I want to be open I want to be polyamorous I want to experience a lot of people and I just keep getting reminded by all of my experiences that it, it's just so much better to be committed to someone who just go really deep like mm -hmm. there are levels that people will never ever reach unless they do that and truly 
get connected with their partner. Not just like, oh yeah, we've been having sex. I know I have what position she likes for like 25 years. It's like, no, like take the mushrooms, like go in really, <laughs> really fucking deep, like explore their internal landscape. It's, it's not something most people experience. I don't think. Yeah. And for everyone who does experience that, good on you. <laughs> Keep diving in. There's always more. And if you're, if you don't really feel like you have felt experience with what, or direct experience with what we're speaking about, just consider this a whole new world that's possible to dive into and, you know, um, have some good conversation with a, a lover and just ha have a little bit of mushrooms and, and see what you listen to this and then see what you can uncover together. Oh my god, there's like a whole other universe to explore. It's like goes so deep. I'm... So I um I, I just mentioned that that I um have this new lover I've just begun exploring with and uh uh the other day we had like a we rolled we rolled around naked together for five hours. And and that is something that I've come to learn most people like a lot of people will just say never have that experience in their lives and have a hard time wrapping their heads around oh wait wait let's add on to this that there were well she had copious orgasms you saw when you arrived i, I had <laughs> i was like i had matches out in the driveway i'm like yeah i'm sunlight disinfecting i got covered in female ejaculate um so there, there was there was plenty to happen and uh I never, we never fucked. I never penetrated her in that way. And while I had orgasms, I never ejected over the course of those five hours. I thought about she very much wanted me to. You just laughed at the people. I know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been doing this shit for a really long time. <laughs> and, and I just felt like there's some part of me that's resistant. And so I'm just going to. I'm I'm just gonna say no now, and and I was reassuring to her. I'm like, look, this probably is not our last time playing together, and it will happen, just not tonight, you know. Um, gave me another orgasm, she was fine. Like music to my ears, like never will you hear this conversation on a normal day like we rolled around for five hours. I never put my penis inside of her, like. Well, you know what? There's some. I gotta say, there's something from. So you know, I have a little bit of a dom in me. But she was begging, I, I, obviously. I'm. I'm she she told me fuck you a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> I would be pissed her. if I were her. Like, <laughs> fucking uh, leave me for that long. <laughs> so <laughs> as I said, I, I, as much as I am a switch, I do like playing both roles. I I am. I'm at least 65, 70% on, on the Dom side. And I'm not dumb in the sense of I want to punish and cause pain and humiliate you, but I do like playing with power. And that is one of the ways that I like to play with power. And maybe it's because it does take our larger social dynamic between men and women and sex and flips it on its head. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to want, I'm going to get you to want me to fuck you so bad. And I'm going to decide when. Most guys can't do that. It's powerful. <laughs> I, I, I got a little addiction to it. I do. I, do. I, I think that it's actually really healthy for both parties. Mm. Because it's so rare. 
it, it's it's empowering and it's also a catalyst for so much more in my opinion because it's just it's so rare well i mean i there's so many reasons why I think that men should learn to gain true ejaculatory choice. And, you know, number one, take fucking ownership over ejaculation, over your own ejaculation, men. <laughs> take ownership over it. Decide who, decide when. Make this decision so that you don't have unwanted, unintended spawn out there. So that, for selfish reasons, so that you don't pay, pay child support to some woman that you hate for the rest <laughs> your life for... wait there's another direction to go with yes, this yes. too so many men say no i want to fucking come that's what i want and i even want it fast and i'm just like well i i'm not a man i don't know i don't actually know but do you know there's so much more you can experience and it can be so much better so like much your crotch sneeze is not really that great i i particularly that when it's when it's fast it's less you know as somebody who has had a lot of orgasms in my life ejaculatory and non-ejaculatory and other things and like i i'm not gonna say ejaculatory orgasms are better than non-ejaculatory orgasms i'm not gonna say non-ejaculatory are better than ejaculatory i was orgasms. waiting i'm like I'm not, can we, can we no, get... no i think that that each they're, they're different experiences if you want like we were talking about psychedelics and substances i mean they're they're each a different kind of a drug really and they're both awesome. And I just, I'm into helping men gain greater choice and actually know that, look, all this is possible to you. And, you know, make clear conscious choice around wh what you're doing and not just have it be this primal, like, um, uh, unconscious reflex. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that nine out of 10, 99 out of 100, uh, if I extend the sexual play, whether solo or with a partner, whether you think of it as extensive edging or what have you, whatever, extend the amount of sexual energy that's running through my body, through my lover's body, her energy running through my body. The more of that that I experience before I orgasm, ejaculatory or otherwise, the more powerful it is. The more it's like, whoa. <laughs> what a shame that so many men will never experience that like how do you how do you get someone from point a to point b? how did how do they get interested in this well first i think that that because it feels like so long for so many men like i have to practice for 400 years to get to where you are right so i've heard that from so many men. uh yes and no Yes, there are experiences that I'm having now because I've been intentionally playing with this since 06. So what is that, 17 years? Fucking A. Um, but, um, but there are experiences that I was having in year one or even month one that are the reason why I kept going down this path. Because it's just like, oh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I want more of that. Where where does that go? <laughs> and now I'm 17 years into exploring where that goes and I'm not giving up. So as far as like how do you uh, how do we create a cultural change? I think part of that is oh, we need the conversation, we need the uh, the idea to truly penetrate our larger consciousness. The the example I like to give is 3 decades ago now I'm 45 now, so the time frames keep getting longer. Um, 
Women didn't ejaculate. Female ejaculation? What the fuck is that? No, men ejaculate. Huh. But now, everybody's heard of female ejaculation, and a lot of people are doing it. A lot more women are, are squirting, ejaculating now, a lot more now than ever before. Why? Because the idea of it entered the mainstream consciousness. Once it entered, it's like breaking a four-minute mile. One, it, it was an impossibility. When suddenly it was shown, no, this is possible, boom, 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 boom. The hundredth monkey. Yes. <laughs> so that's part of what why I have these conversations and and talk about male multiple orgasms, non-ejaculatory orgasms, true ejaculatory choice, what I call sexual self-mastery, is because like it, it once we cross a certain point where it is like a known entity, then more men will find their way there. And yeah, I do think that that it changes the game. <laughs> Well, I, I, what blows my mind is that it's 2023 when we're recording this, and how many times on your favorite porn tube sites uh, <laughs> have you seen a man go into a, a multiple non-ejaculatory orgasmic state? Yeah, that's my guess. Zero. Now, I've gone looking, and it's pretty, it, it, it's near impossible to find something. And that blows my mind, especially because I have recorded it. Um, I, I, well, myself to more amateurly, but I've recorded professionally and for, for my sexual self-mastery training as part of our curriculum sh sh showing these things. But this is, this is why I have my whole, like, you know, tantric porn pathway that I'm exploring. Oh, I think about it all the time. Well, I'm finally ready. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hearing it from me for a decade. It's just so... It's everything the world needs from my perspective. Of course, I live in my own strange planet, but I I really, I just want to experience couples, but it's so hard to capture. Like the energy between lovers that is like so dense, yet no one's moving. Uh, How do you fucking capture that? Well, it's, it's certainly a whole lot harder to capture than again your average video on Pornhub um, it, it, which you know this is one of the challenges is the business model aspect of it because the porn industry is built on a quantity model just shoot more shoot more content put out more content and like you know this path that I'm going is really a quality model it's a, a lot of fucking effort to create something that the world's ever seen first <laughs> and and it's hard like but i i have found it is possible now there are some parts of it that i haven't i haven't solved yet and maybe i'm not the one solved a maybe i just dropped in keep going, keep going. May, maybe maybe me as the director will solve it maybe it's the stuff that i'm putting out or this conversation helps spur somebody else to end up creating it i don't know and i don't care it will be solved yes what's your question <laughs> i have a one specific older video of yours that i have access to that i'm obsessed with and i have been since oh. since we met i don't even have to mention it because you don't i don't think you even want it there anymore but it's there and i've, I've showed people especially men because i'm like ah this is the energy i want that energy and I've had a few men watch it and go, like, they're basically not comfortable with expression in that way mm -hmm. because they're hyper-masculine. Or mm -hmm. I think that the expression of a man who is well-versed in tantric arts may look 
somewhat feminine mm-hmm. to men who are hyper masculine. Sure. And especially my current obsession, addiction with Middle Eastern men. I you show that to any Middle Eastern man and they're like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Like, he looks like he's not a man, like, not mm-hmm. super feminine. Like, you know, I don't want to feel that. Like, mm-hmm. or not super masculine, but I don't want to go into that feminine space because feeling seems so feminine. And that's what you're you're increasing your sensitivity you're uh-huh. increasing feeling when you are in the space and ultimately that's what all the women want but how where's the balance so that the the middle eastern man doesn't get turned off by watching it like maybe experiencing it he starts you know getting into that space but he watches it and he's like i'm not do i'm not doing any sublimation not happening uh, uh- I'm sorry, define sublimation for us. Oh, um, having an internal non-ejaculatory orgasm. So t- taking that energy instead of where it, it would, quote, naturally just eject out of the body, um, sublimating that energy or, or uh, moving that energy up through the body or through the energetic system instead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I get what you're talking about. Uh, you know, Without a doubt, one of the aspects of the evolved masculine to me was always about integrating the healthy feminine, integrating a feminine that exists within every man, just um, in varying degrees, yes. And then also, so that there's how much of it actually exists within the man, and then there's how much of it is, is he okay with within himself. Yes. And, and that that latter one is huge in most men's lives. The fear of being perceived as gay, feminine, uh, less than a real man is a huge controlling mechanism in so many men's lives. (laughs) So why do you, why, why do you, why do you experience it as frustration? I, it makes me sad because I experience it as a woman, you know, you have to look this way, you have to do this, this is what it means to be a lady, this is what it is to be a 30-some-year-old lady, like, all of these constraints and cultural, social conditioning, and for men, they're not able, like, it breaks my heart because men aren't able to experience the depth of their pleasure and connection with their partner because they're so afraid of tuning into the feminine. And you'll never be fully attuned to your partner as a man if you don't have any connection with the family. That right there. You'll continue really violating her. I think that, that piece is really key. Um, that Because attunement is rooted in um, a heightened sensitivity. That heightened sensitivity starts in here. If you are cut off from your own body, if you're cut off from your own emotions, if you're cut off from your own felt sense, because you learned probably as a boy that those were not okay, then your ability to feel her, mm -mm, it's majorly handicapped. I have a really uncomfortable example, and I almost feel like I don't want to, I'm going to share it (laughs) because I feel so yucky and I don't want to. so I was with a lover and giving them oral and there wasn't a lot of sensation. Like they didn't feel, I mean, I feel like I was doing a great job. <laughs> I'm not told by Benny that I'm 
Uh, not many. The lovers that I'm really connected <laughs> But with. countless. <laughs> the few that I've said that it's really great because it's not something I actually like to do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... I don't know how many women say they love giving oral. I need to actually, I want to explore this. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me. I but, just had this conversation in the reverse yesterday. Oh my God. I want to talk about this. Okay. Well, in the reverse, so, but again. I don't think that, I mean, I've heard a lot of men say they love giving oral, but women, I don't feel like a lot of women say like, oh, I love stuff. Really? <laughs> so I, 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 like, I, I've heard both and both ends from both. Yeah. You know, um, women who, who love, sucking cock so to speak um for the power of it for the oral fixation element of it for the um the sense of doing a good job and seeing and feeling the the, the response in the partner okay that's all, what gets me up. All, all that side of things and the women who really highly dislike it those who just won't yeah. or avoid it in very yeah i mean there's a whole thing in our culture of like you know only um men who say like they only get it on their birthday type of <laughs> once they're married and don't like doing it most of the so, majority hold on. then on the on the men's side yeah i i hear the same type of a thing from from men who are like oh it smells like fish and all those you know all those derogatory if they need uh, help come to me i can help you get your shit fixed <laughs> um who who uh have all sorts of derogatory ways to speak out about women's yonis pussies um uh look smell taste etc and i i fucking love it uh so i was having this conversation yesterday with new lover and um she was saying something like, and then when you went down on me, I just fucking lost it. And and I'm like, well, I really enjoy it. And she's like, yeah, that was obvious. <laughs> and, and I think that, like, when, when I hear you say, uh, sorry about this, but when I hear you say you don't don't really like it, but you're, you're sure you're doing a good job, it gives me a little pause. Because to me, the foundation of somebody being good at it is they're it. really enjoying exactly. it. Exactly. So this is the story. This lover who wasn't enjoying it i felt like i was enjoying it actually and i was doing a good job i'm like i'm not getting any because he's like totally well you're finally enjoying it you get bad feedback yeah i mean he was he's desensitized Mm -hmm. and then another lover who just like you know moans and is into it and it's just like you know giving feedback and like i'm just like what do you mean by feedback like telling you telling you what you should be doing just like <laughs> mumbling under their breath like so good or okay. also like in the moment where it is good and no negative feedback just like when it's good they say it's good and i'm oh. like oh, okay i'll do more of that you know that's the best way to get feedback during sex i'm pretty sure uh <laughs> not like i don't like it there it's like that I like it there sometimes you have to say uh, don't not like that works <laughs> 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 right <laughs> there's no way to do it so there's the the lover who's like desensitized and like not enjoying it, like cut off from their body, and then the lover who's like moaning and like I like that or whatever, and then I'm getting more into it and it's getting better. It's like a we're into that, you know, if we go into like the tantric esoteric, the microcosmic orbit, like we're fully like going into the loop and feeding off of each other's energy and like there's no block in the in the conduit. You know, again you've You've sucked more dicks than I have. 
<laughs> I'm guessing. And, 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 um, uh, my, uh, what I have heard is that, um, I, I, let me put it differently. I want to let you know about a relationship hack that's going to change your life and open the door to deeper intimacy than you've ever imagined. The secret is the power of touch. Some good friends of mine at Lit have formulated a line of world-class sensation tools that will help you and your partner drop into your body, regulate your nervous system, and stimulate a cocktail of gooey love hormones like oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin. I use these tools myself now, and they've opened new worlds of sensation, pleasure, and connection for me and my lovers. If you're curious, if you like to explore, if you're craving a deeper experience of connection, pleasure, and intimacy in your relationship, head over to litup.love, that's litup.love, and check out their amazing products. Use the code DESTIN to save 10% on your order. So one of the four primary tools that I, I teach around sexual self-mastery is sound and vocalization, like teaching men to actually like let like express sound with what they're feeling with their with their pleasure allowed to be both a exploration and expression of what they are feeling and that prior uh, yeah prior to me discovering this i was like many men are relatively silent and from what i understand that's not that uncommon that maybe the occasional like grunt or like yeah or, yeah babe. <laughs> you know but otherwise it's like but that cuts off the feedback loop. Of course, women are not going to enjoy doing that. Of course, then it becomes a blow job. Uh, it's like, well, is he even liking this? No, you know what? The the energy's got to friggin' circulate. The the energy circulates by you doing, you know, you're doing something I like, and it's feeling good in my body, and I'm expressing. You can hear. A see and feel my oh, enjoyment. Micro movements and like the breath and oh, everything. It's just like, okay, clearly you're like fully in your body right now. Like there are so many little things to observe that are just, you know, it turns into that. It's like there's a flow and then I'm getting wet and it's like, wow, I'm getting wet from sucking a cock. It's like, that's what we're talking about. So yeah, so you can enjoy it. <laughs> Fully enjoy it, but it depends like on, on this feedback loop. Is it open? Is it circulating? Is mm -hmm. it, you know? So that's also, you know, the the depth of pleasure for both parties is just going way, way deeper. It's just you you can't get that if you're not able to get into that feeling feminine space of like I'm going to moan and I'm going to like move my body a little bit. And I'm like, ah, and take any breaths. And it's wild. I mean, it's actually new for me in the past, like five years. But well, um, what's new? The being able to experience a lover experiencing pleasure in that way. Mm. So prior to five years ago, what was it like? It felt like a blow job, but now I'm realizing that it's, you know, a whole another universe to explore. Like, you know, okay, I get so much pleasure from making love, but I can get almost the same level of pleasure, if not the same, from giving oral just because of that feedback loop being open and circulating. 
Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I, so again, I, I like to give these examples to um, to men in my audience because, like, I know that I've had the experience of uh, it's been a while to be honest, but I've had the experience of like going down on a woman who pretty much just laid there. And no real sound. Maybe I'd hear the occasional little something under the breath. But for the most part, I'm just like, what's going on up there? <laughs> Everything okay? Are you still breathing? <laughs> like, no, no clue as to like, am I doing something <laughs> wrong? What's, what's happening here? I have to share something with you about him because okay. this is important. Yeah. Sometimes I'm experiencing so much pleasure during oral that I literally can't, like, I can't even move or say anything or give any feedback. So I'm just, I've left. I'm like, it's transcendent. But I don't know if I'm fully like, you know, it's like, is she in her body? Maybe I'm not. But honestly, then all of a sudden I climax. But it was before the moment that I was not moaning and I was not moving. It was not. So breathing. you don't think that there's any sort of little like, micro indicators in your body probably but i doubt they're noticing them oh. they're that small sure but it is bizarre i mean if she was mm -hmm. dead fish the whole entire time maybe it's different but i'm just saying like... there are different situations and, and i mean the story that i just shared i mean it's further and further in my rearview mirror but you know again i know that, that that's not an ice that that is an experience that people have and and my point being that that you know, men generally understand that this, that's not very fun. It, it's not very inspiring to do more of it. And so don't be that man, you know, <laughs> be fun, be fun to give a blowjob to call this the secret to getting more blowjobs, fucking sound, vocalize, express, <laughs> let her know that you like it. <laughs> And she'll be like, oh, this is, this is, he likes that. Ooh, positive feedback. Let me do more of that. What if he doesn't know how to express? We'll start there. What if he literally is like, that feels good, but no moan comes out because he's so Yeah, used uh, well, to, to be honest, that's where I started. You know, I was in my 20s. But when I first started to discover that there might be something in the sound thing for me, um, it was a combination of being with an extremely vocal partner. Um, but I, I've been with other vocal partners before, but, um, uh, and going through the sexological body work training, um, through, uh, the Institute for the Events of Human Sexuality. And, um, I don't know, I, I don't remember how it came. It, it was touched on lightly in some way there, but I took it home. I think I had some sort of conversation with, um, Kirsten, um, and I just got to say, there's something here for me, but it was so hard. It was so like, I was so programmed to, to not. And then there was like this fear of like, well, like, what am I supposed to sound like? What if it sounds weird? What if she thinks it's weird? What if she laughs at me? You know, all, all these types of things. So at first, the most I could do is get out like a, mm. <laughs> but even that I saw, she went, yeah, she got the smile on her face, like, ooh, he likes that. And so she got this positive reinforcement, but then I got a positive reinforcement around sounding based on her response, and that started this whole cycle upward. Gonna just start, even if it's a little... Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and now, now I'm fucking vocal. <laughs> now I'm vocal. Waking up the neighbors. 
both of us now. It used to just be her who is neighbors, not we. I mean, everything gets better once you're louder. Well, I really have come to think of your ability to express sound is directly tied to your liberation, your sense of your, your actual freedom in your being. Mm-hmm. It, it is an aspect of being constricted and shut down. And I find that there, there's a fair number of men who, who feel that constriction in sex, but also outside of sex. Yeah. Probably from, again, school age, uh, being told to sit down, shut up, tone it down, quiet down, et cetera, et cetera, that to just learn to... So, you know, I teach men to roar. It's important. Know how to roar. You were asking about me doing work, you know, on myself in the beginning when we were talking about the uh, potential sexual trauma. And I did have an incredible NLP practitioner that I worked with for some time. And one of our last sessions, she's like, you, you just need to fucking scream. Like, yes, we've done all this work. There's so many things that we've worked on. Just, like, go fucking scream. And I was like, wow, when when can I take an opportunity to scream? So it was like every single time that I made love after that was, like, the loudest, most primal screaming ever. And it was so, fucking transformative. <laughs> like, my life improved, like, drastically. How did your lover respond? Great. <laughs> it was great. And... I it truly felt better. So we've got that feedback loop again. We're back to that feedback loop. It was like the louder I screamed, the better it was. And it was like better for them and the neighbors, who knows? <laughs> I I'm curious, um that was quite what your NLP practitioner meant. And <laughs> had to have been. <laughs> so I'm all for that. And you could also well, I live here, so I would just face this way, and <laughs> I try not to do it too often because it does get some notice, you know, <laughs> and let out a big roar. Uh, uh, you can also do it into your pillowcase or into a, like folded up towels. Um, you can, uh, if you drive, like inside your car, you know, they call them isolation boxes, um, <laughs> cars. So like be in your car, sit in traffic and just fucking rage, Always you know? screaming in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I had a two-hour drive down here, I screamed all the time. Yeah, part of it, 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 when I work with men around this, it is primarily the part of you that feels like you can't break that so that you know you can. You yeah. can because you have. Yeah. And now you can do so if or when you choose to. <laughs> okay, so let, let's fast forward. So we, we spoke about your erotic awakening, then we talked about all sorts of other things. Um, maybe me a little too much. And what about your spiritual awakening? You know, you, you I've, again, I've known you for over a decade now, and you clearly have your spiritual path as an important part of your life. Like, how did that come to be, and what does that mean to you today? Another huge question. Uh, so many moments I can highlight, but I believe that the most profound one, and it almost sounds like silly and cliche because I said it earlier that ayahuasca strippers, but I'm going to go into the uh, in, in a ceremony, in an ayahuasca ceremony. 
Uh, I'm a huge advocate of psychedelics, if I haven't mentioned that already. Uh, I was working a lot at that time uh, at a really small club in Silicon Valley for five times a week. I was paying off some student loans. I was really in deep. And it is a no contact club. So I felt that to really get them an experience, I had to do a lot. Uh, just, you know, a performance, a show on a table, feet away from them. So there were times that I was just kind of, you know, self-pleasuring. And sometimes I would actually penetrate myself with my own fingers. And I started thinking about it more uh, when I was in ceremony for some reason. Like I started going into it and it took me into this whole other realm. It was wild. Um, there was a voice. Maybe it was like my higher consciousness. Maybe it was the ayahuasca, whatever. And it was very clear. And the message was, um, do not continue to penetrate yourself in these sessions with these men because you are actually also allowing them to penetrate you even though you're using your own finger they're penetrating you because they're in that experience with you so you mean like um energetically their yeah. energetic field is yes. entering you yeah. when you're penetrating yourself and basically i was violating myself because i didn't actually want to be penetrated by any of these men not in that way you know that was as intimate as it gets in that setting and the the deeper journey went into you know you are a sacred being they're a sacred being as well and for anyone to enter you whether energetically or physically there needs to be the most pure devotion for it to really for it to really make sense if you want to send ripples out into the world just by being who you are and making love and just your existence on earth then there needs to be pure devotion when it is connected to sexuality they have to literally bow to you. They're going to enter you and vice versa. You also have to have that same devotion to them. And I've explored myself on a, you know, in a visual realm also. And there was just, I walked into a palace, which was my yoni, my sacred space, my vagina. That's the Sanskrit word for it, yoni, uh, which is more endearing, you know, sacred space than vagina kind whatever yeah it's just like okay it's a sacred space and it's illuminated by the lingam the wand of light it's just like so much more expansive than you know like cock and pussy but going off on a tangent i went into myself and it was this palace and there were all of these beautiful things that i want to see just like crystals and sheepskins and like inside of me was this incredible beautiful universe and for someone to come in and explore there has to be a certain sort of dynamic and that was not the one that I had cultivated after two minutes sticking a $20 bill in a machine and like getting on a table so that changed everything for me mm. that moment uh during that ayahuasca how, ceremony how old were you then I mean this was 2017 oh it that long no ago. Yeah. Long after I've, I've first seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yep. was just a pivotal moment. There were many before mm -hmm. that. Before that, I had 
Because you were clearly on some form of a path, even when I first met you. Yeah, definitely. Even though it's certainly deepened in the time since. When I started dancing was actually the same exact time that I started practicing a lot of yoga and getting really deep into Eastern philosophy and taking, you know, I think it was called East-West World Studies while I was in college. And really, I started practicing Buddhism at that time as well and just, like, really getting in tune with my altruistic view of the world and bringing that I had always brought that into the club I was genuinely curious about people and I actually wanted to know about them and I saw them as a human it wasn't just like it was never just a wallet they were never dollar signs I don't think that I ever played that game uh while I was in the club so I think what is the game that you should play I want them to walk out better than they walked in and feel like they were actually seen and heard and someone was present with them and they actually cared about what they were as a human. Well, it's really beautiful. So that, that kind of touches into, and I don't know if we're really there yet, but I guess segue into this whole conscious strip club, which I've heard you talk about for uh, 10 years at least, like from the beginning. Um, uh, are you ready to go there yet? I'm ready to go there. Okay. But we... What we were just touching upon, which I definitely also want to bring in, was so much of my book and so much of my experience with men, and especially in the club, I've gotten to play this out so many times, is my father wound and, like, my daddy issues. It's so, like, stereotypical, like, the stripper with the daddy issues. I'm like, okay, read my book. There you go. Stripper with the daddy issues. You get to see what it looks like. Go all in on it. Um, and also the process of, of healing it. Mm. And, and it is me, uh, with these men constantly seeing my father in them, you know, you're like, we're touching upon a sexual dynamic. So it starts to sound like weird and fucked up there when I put that in like, oh, my dad, and then the sexuality piece, but that's what we play out, you know, throughout our whole entire lives is what was our relationship with that, that parent, that opposite sex, you know, um, I really do believe that. And you are going to see your father or mother and partners. And it's just, you know, that was our first, like, love relationship. It didn't need to be sexual. There's still that, like, erotic, innocence love there always playing out through every realm and every relationship. Sure. You know, my, my mother was a, a deeply wounded woman. And I think that I spent my adulthood trying to heal her through every woman that I've known. <laughs> Thank you. That's mm -hmm. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> well, my dad, of course, the reverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that really, we were set on our path from <laughs> before we exited the womb. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the truth of it. So. So. Conscious <laughs> ayahuasca has been a, a big part of your spiritual awakening and certainly part of your spiritual journey and um particularly because your sexuality was already so central in your life and you were working as a stripper through all of this it naturally uh kind of came together these uh your aya journeys were ayahuasca journeys were uh often or at least enough times uh, touching upon or about some aspect of your 
uh, life as a stripper, and uh, each was influencing the other, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Your sexuality influencing your spirituality, your spirituality influencing your sexuality. And also all of the, the practice that I was doing with my former husband, which is, we were deeply immersed in tantric studies and constantly practicing with each other. If it weren't for him, I would have never gotten to the the squirting chapter of my life. He was like, oh, I read about it, and like, we have to do this, and we have to do that, and of course, he worked with you, and there was, you know, a lot of different elements that came into play, and I brought them into the club, and, you know, it was all, you know, it wasn't disconnected. Nothing is disconnected every single part of my life is it's one it's one thing so my tantric practices with my partner were coming into the club and my psychedelics and they all influenced each other in a, in a beautiful positive way in my opinion yeah, it seems to be it seems to be so what what's a conscious strip club and why you've been talking about for 10 years funny you know my dad <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Say more. I want to send him to a conscious strip club. Oh my god, so weird. Um, no, I'm 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 half kidding. I'm half kidding. I I see that archetype in so many men, that wounded masculine, and I've also seen the empowered, confident feminine heal that. I've watched so many men walk out of gentlemen's clubs with women that I'm calling the ayahuasca strippers, the spiritual strippers. And I see that there's a serious fucking shift. Like something has evolved mm. in them. They've make this more tangible. Like what are you seeing? I I really touched upon this when I was speaking um, in the video that I created for the book campaign when I'm, I had first um, completed the book. I was ready. The erotic to, hustle. When I was ready for the erotic hustle to be birthed, uh, this video that I created was all about how we're all just craving presence, mm -hmm. like true presence, someone to actually see us and feel us and just experience us i think that so many people are walking around this planet every single day like not being truly seen and held and loved and if you can give even just like a little hint of that to someone for one second that is the most potent medicine on this planet it's like really okay i'm here i'm witnessing all of you i'm seeing you and I actually care to see you. So I want to. Yeah, you know, this is something that's um, often spoken of in regards to the masculine, you know, uh, the masculine presence and the, the need of the feminine to be witnessed in this way. But my God, we have a, an epidemic just as much of men who do not actually feel truly seen. We do not feel valued or valuable. How does that connect into your world? They deserve it, no matter who they are, and including women. But when when men interface with me, uh, 
a club. I want them to feel that or anywhere, anyone, but it's such a big opportunity there because so many, I mean, people let their guard down once they're in a dark room with a stranger that they think will never see them again and no one can hear them and no one's going to know what happened. And it's like, I'm finding myself sitting in a VIP room at a gentleman's club and I'm fully clothed, nothing has come off, and there's a foot in between me and the guy, and he's in tears because we're onto the conversation about him and his ex-wife and how he feels about it. And it's like it's expensive therapist. <laughs> the line I got from my girlfriend just the other day. Uh that that makes so much more sense to me, and that's I believe actually what's needed as opposed to the fucking crotch sneeze, like so many men walking in to the club go, okay, I'm just like, I'm here to like find that girl that like turns me on. I just want to like get off or like find some way to take her home and like, you know, penetrate her and then get off. And it's just like this, like, I don't know, meaningless quest i think there's something primal there too like you know men are like hunting for their like and we do all need to procreate that's like how we work as like that's healthy actually i think it's healthy but there's so much more that can be received and accomplished in those moments in the vip than just this like making making (laughs) men cry so it's it, so much better. You you get paid to take men up to the champagne room to get them to get, to make them cry. It's a better release than the ejaculation, guaranteed. I mean, the specific one that I'm thinking about right now. We're well, still you know connected. Uh, he still calls me a, a on lot, a weekly basis. There are, there are a lot of men who can ejaculate very easily on their own, but have a really hard time crying on their own. <laughs> Because it's usually not okay. It's a release. It's alchemy. We need that. What do you mean alchemy? That is how things are transformed. That is how things shift. That's how we evolve. That's how we expand. There needs to be the 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 breath and the sound and the movement or like the the we are just big sacks of fluid too. Like when those tears are released, it's we're creating magic. Okay, I'm gonna ground this out a little bit. Uh, yes, uh, like I like to think of myself as bilingual. I, I, I speak, we speak too. But uh, on the other side of it, um, well, there's this phrase of you have to feel it to heal it, and you know it's kind of borders yeah. the the ruin the grounded here. <laughs> um, but it trauma and emotional experiences like intense emotional experiences can get stuck in the body meaning, meaning that there's something neurochemically or um or in the neurons that 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 free, freezes it gets stuck and just kind of stays living inside the tissues uh causing dis-ease uh unless or until something allows it to move, to be felt and to move. And so if you're spending your life like shutting down every time tears otherwise would have uh, would have gone, then you're creating disease in the body, and, yeah. tightness in the hips, knots in the neck. It's all gonna come out in a physical ailment. There you go. There you can't go. block energy, can't 
and on the other, and there's a reason why on the other side of that that uh, cry that you have resisted for so long, there's a reason why on the other side of it you feel light, and suddenly it feels so good, like, oh. <laughs> <sighs> Now, you know, this This is not just a they and other men type of thing for me. Like, it is, it's not easy for me to cry. It's not. And it is a lot easier for me to cry in the arms of a woman. Okay. And, you know, why? I'm, I'm sure it's it's all deep programming. But, uh, but, I mean, you know, I've been, again, on this path and deep for quite a while. And I still very much feel that. Very much feel that. I feel like it's easier for me to cry in the arms of a man, like a man who's really a man. <laughs> what do you mean by really a man? A man who can hold space. <laughs> a man who can hold space and feel grounded and connected to himself while there are emotions flowing and not swayed by them, who can like be the rock in the ocean, if that makes sense. That's the best analogy I can. Uh, so I, the reason why I got good at it was because I was so bad at it. And I, I ever, like with Kirsten, through most of our relationship, and she was a very uh, emotional woman and also an extremely orgasmic and sexually expressed woman. The, the craziest often, ones. Yeah, <laughs> the two often go hand in hand. Best experiences <laughs> that you'll ever have. There's something. <laughs> and and uh, I would get rocked by her emotions. You know, they would rock her, and then I did not know how to hold them at all. I didn't even have the concept really inside of me. If she started, if she got upset, I'd get upset. If she got angry, I'd get angry. Where would she go? Like I would end up, I would end up there as well. And that didn't work <laughs> at all. <laughs> it wasn't good for either one of us. And then finally, I started to um, find out and realize that there was some other way. And and um, when I, I think it was actually David Data's Way of the Superior Man book that introduced me to the contests. I, you know, I have very mixed feelings about David Data's work. Um, but along, Damn good uh, well, it certainly had a major impact on me, I, including the ways that I end up coming to some strong differences. Um, as I can still recommend it, just usually with caveats. Uh, but yeah, I believe it was there that I first really heard the idea to like practice just staying grounded let her have her emotions let her be in her feminine storm go wherever and just you don't have to react to it you can just like like drop into the breath work with the exhale stay like feel yourself grounded down you and she's gonna come back around a lot quicker as well It'll release what she needs to release come back here and guess what that's exactly what I experienced. My, I like. I was skeptical, but I was like, "Well, let me just do a little experiment. What else do I have to lose? I'm just, it's just driving me crazy." And it worked. It worked, and she calmed down so much easier. Shortly thereafter, we're making love, and then I tell her and I show her this passage from the book, and she just like got this big smile, and she's like, "Keep reading, baby." <laughs> I. It's so good. I'm getting visuals i'm like thinking like you know the man is the anchor there's a ship there's a fucking crazy storm you're in the middle of the ocean the storm is her emotions but what's the what's the ship the the, the ship is what you have created for her to stand on because you have the anchor that's connected to the ship okay okay 
I mean, I felt that myself. Uh, I mean, of course, turning my feelings into visuals, you know, it only translates for me, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but but I felt that with men, you know, that's when I do feel safe to, you know, that's also when there's better lovemaking. It's like, okay, I feel safe. I'm open. I'm, I know that you are present. You're grounded. But I mean, that's what it is. It's presence. Well, that, that's another place where this same... For some reason, I actually got to hear first before the other emotional elements. But the other way this shows up in uh, relational dynamics is her orgasm spitting him out. Her orgasm overriding his system yeah. and she, him you know, blowing his wad often just before she really crosses... Uh, crosses over. I can't tell you the number of men I've worked with who, yeah, exactly, who um, that was the struggle. It's like, oh, everything's fine except for like when she's getting really close and boom, it just it, it sends me over. This is actually all part of the same thing. This is about learning to master your own energetic body to be able to be solid and rooted and stable in this while she is having her own energetic experience. What a big task for a man, though. That's huge, because it's like, it's you don't work, get to go first, because usually if you go first, for a lot of men, there's a whole another level of mastery here, but if you go first, then it's over, and then, sure. then we then I go nowhere. <laughs> so that's, that's huge. I've never really, the weight of that, the responsibility of like, no, you have to wait your second. Yeah. <laughs> You're not first right now. Well, she might be first, second, third, fourth, and sixth. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not on in that conversation yet, but that's the end. And that's the, what we're going for. We're oh, going oh, over there. Well, I, I mean, I, honestly, if we're if we're going out there for a moment, just since I ha have quite a bit on this particular episode, I'll say actually over there, men can orgasm whenever they want, as much as they want. It's yeah. the ejaculation that yeah. ends it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But again, you know, that, that is a road. It is a learning to find this within yourself generally first before being able to be that with your lover. Yep. That's good stuff. Yes, it's work, but oh my God, is it worth it? <laughs> you will never know until you try. <laughs> uh, good, good segue into, by the time this is released, we, we should have launched... Um, or relaunched our, our sex, um, my sexual self mastery training. Um, you know, I, I was running it solely as a, a, a 13 week, like live group cohort at five grand a piece. And I loved it. There was so much I loved about it, but the truth is most people are not dropping $5,000 to work on their sex sexuality. Um, now I, many do, I've worked with many who do, but like what we're speaking about here, these are things that most men want to know more about. Most men want to dive deeper into. Most men want to be able to last longer or to be able to, you know, not come when she's coming unless they're wanting to, um, et, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, I, 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 it's like, I need to figure out a different way to deliver this because it needs to be more accessible. Yeah. And so I've, I've rebuilt, I've revamped it. I'm dropping the price by 80% um, wow. and, and restructuring it so that it, 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 it doesn't have as much of like high touch, so to speak, have, uh, as much of direct contact with me through it, but it does 
allow people to access it at a much easier level, still have a lot of community elements built into it, a ton of really high quality video-based content, including a woman and a man having non-ejaculatory orgasmic experiences, demonstrating these, these practices in different ways so that you're not just trying to wrap your head around the idea of it, but you can actually like, oh, see, like get the transmission yeah. through the screen, you know? Absolutely. Love it. So necessary, essential for everyone. Yeah, well, while you're at it, <gasps> aside from com slash SSM, where can they find Erotic Hustle? Erotic Hustle is everywhere books are sold. Everywhere books are sold. And I recorded the whole fucking audio book. Uh, so, it, so. Your wow, that is, that is my voice. That's it. It was... Wow, that was a process. <laughs> that was that was real. I did I'm, mine. I'm more proud of the the audiobook than the written book. Really? It I, took seven years to write that book. The audiobook, I did it fast. I dove in. I had to speak all of the things over again that I had you know, I'm like, I'm done with that chapter. Like I don't want to talk about that anymore. That's mm-hmm. why I wrote the book. I processed it. And I had to speak it. That was a whole nother level of cathartic therapeutic process. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I, I I had I had a similar experience with my I I think I enjoyed it more because you're, you're speaking in a way that doesn't sound very enjoyable. <laughs> it was it was heavy, but afterward I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, it's one of the things I appreciate about your book as well is um, both of our books have a um, a strong autobiographical element of it of really letting you know you really let yourself go into the hard things yeah and the vulnerable things the things that most people would never want to share and i want to say it's really brave of you really speaks to the strength that you have and also the way in which you're really committed to being of service you know that there and i'm gonna like bring this back in because i think that that we have this notion of strippers particularly but overall women in the sex industry even only fans and that whole world as being extractive being self-serving mm-hmm. um you know in it just for the money just seeing men as wallets and how do i get this out of you and you know that this is this gets back to like what what is conscious strip club which i want you to answer because the dynamic in the unconscious stripper world as i understand it the stripper's primary agenda is how how much can I get for how little do I have to give to get it? Mm-hmm. While the man's agenda is how much can I get and how little do I need to give to get it? Mm-hmm. Only she's flaunting her body and sex and he's flaunting his wallet and money. So how does that... Yeah. So you are clearly something else. You are clearly something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question like what makes what's a conscious strip club and how is that different conscious strip club i i often begin by saying what it's not mm-hmm. and extracting the typical elements you know like the the ratchet music and the alcohol and I think that I can dial that in a little bit more in this moment and say that the the elements that are sensory overload or taking away from our ability to really be present with one another are extracted and everything 
that is put in place is there to support our presence with one another you know like dim lighting and comfortable environment you're taking your shoes off there's quiet music think of environments that you've been in where you feel like you can really connect to who you're with who you're in front of and environments that you feel nourished by when you leave you feel you know you feel more relaxed you feel in your body you're you know you go to bed and you sleep well and you wake up the next morning and you're happy you're not hungover and your wallet is perhaps not empty in any way shape or form Mm. yes the conscious strip club will also there will be a price cost like you know this is how we operate in this world unfortunately at this time but there is also an element of that i highlighted this in the book where uh when it does become an actual physical location that is always accessible because there is uh a desire currently where i want to have pop-up events i want it to move around i want it to be mobile uh but at some point you know a physical location and uh if men want to come and experience the the goddesses the women i'm getting woey here but the women who are there to serve uh they can work there they can help with you know building the structures or gardening because there will be a garden there because you can stay there for an extended period of time so it doesn't always have to be a monetary exchange so there are a lot of elements but I want it to be a, a community, you know, and I want it to be a place where people come for, you know, healing if we want to get into the wooey aspect of it. But just simply somewhere where people go and they leave feeling better than they entered and they feel more connected to themselves and more connected to the opposite sex. Okay, so that sounds beautiful and all, but what the hell does that have to do with the strip club? <laughs> I see that in the strip club. When when I'm working, mm-hmm. I'm looking at all of the elements that could be shifted or extracted or added to make it a place of healing, to make it so. Know, there, so in other words, the a ritual, a ceremony. There's still performers who are taking off their yeah. clothes. Perhaps not taking off all of their clothes, but they're displaying like you know. So it's a strip club, but they're not taking off their clothes. <laughs> They will be scantily clad, but perhaps they can remove articles if they choose to. It's not going to be the focus. So then why do you call it a conscious strip club and not something else? It does need a different name. <laughs> it does need a different name. So, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I've played around with this idea even before we met as well. Yeah. Um and this idea that that I think because I was meeting these women who were anomalies in this environment, be like, well, what would it be like if you weren't an anomaly? And instead of feeling like you're this like bright light in this shadowy landscape, if the whole space was created for you to thrive in it instead of feeling like you're working against it. And if you weren't the anomaly, but everybody there was all on the same type of, of a wavelength, like... That sounds a lot better. And if we bring this out of the shadows, so to speak, then yeah, I think a lot of good can come from it. But in my mind, no, they're still stripping. <laughs> I'm, yes, yes, they're still stripping and there's performances and maybe there's different apparatus. There's aerial silks or lira. You know, naked. it's not always just this pole. I mean, if they want to be naked, let them be naked. You know, it's just like whatever self-expression that they want to share. 
on that particular evening or day because it doesn't always have to be at night in the shadows you know we don't have to like crawl out in the night to do these things that are dark because they're not dark because it's sex and sex is light we're we're shining the light on the fact that the only reason why we're here is because of sex so it's okay to talk about and to feel sexy to to interact with that energy so it sounds like that this is also about creating a a place that is about truly celebrating our sexual natures um versus it being some taboo thing that you need to sneak off to do yeah there's stigma there's negative connotation when you say strip club or gentleman's club and people think certain things and a very typical example is something I experienced where this man wanted to spend time with me he wanted to have sex with me because he said that he has sex with his wife and it's good and he enjoys it but she's just not hot anymore he's not attracted to her anymore she's she's not good she doesn't have your butt and like she's you know she's not hot so it doesn't excite me and I feel like he also said I feel like I always initiate and she doesn't and that particular scenario which is so common is something that I want to address in this conscious strip club in this environment where it's okay to have these desires right like there's nothing wrong with him to have these desires but how do we do it in a way where it's not shadowy and fucked up where his wife can't know about it and in a way he's you know he's violating her because she has no idea it's happening um and he's coming home after his Vegas trips and acting like nothing happened or maybe she knows and they don't talk about it and there's like a block in communication which we talked about earlier that's like a block in energy that's what's wrong that in the end and like going to bubble up into something you know disastrous physically or in other realms how how do we create an environment where we're able to address that and also shift it and make it okay and elevate the way that we communicate with our partners lovers like how do we shift that dynamic within this environment uh, those are really big questions. This is my turn to say that's a really big question. Uh, <laughs> there's just so many layers that, that need to be addressed in order to, to come about that reality. I mean, everything from uh, the way in which we idolize and worship youth and and the, the particular beauty of youth and particularly the um, beauty of female youth and shame women aging, period. Uh, yeah, we're having a bit of a reckoning around that. There is something occurring in our culture around this right now. And and we're seeing it with like, you know, even the whole like MILF phenomenon, uh, (laughs) there, there, the appreciation even turn on towards older women is more of a thing today, uh, than it was 20 years ago. Um, but you know, there's still, there's still a lot there. There's still a lot there. And it's not just like, it's not just conceptual. Like I can feel it. Like I can feel that I'm working against programming to 
continue to see and fully embrace the beauty of my wife in her 40s versus I've known her for 20 years yeah. versus the beauty of my wife in her 30s and the beauty of my wife in her 20s and again she's 42 now what about when she's in her 50s what if when, when she's menopausal postmenopausal what about l later than that I don't feel like I have the good mapping inside of my system to know what that's like to know that um, sustained attraction uh, and having that kind of attraction for an uh, an older or much well be my age actually three years younger than me two and a half years younger than me but but uh an older woman um like i feel the ways in which i'm working against that programming inside of myself and i'm conscious about it you know m many men aren't in that self-inquiry around that, aren't actively trying to address that. So, and that's, that's just one piece. Then we've got the overall sex negativity that many of, many people grew up in, or, or kind of split thing around sex, that, that it's both all these negative connotations and shame-based stuff, while it's also flaunted in our face in a million ways. And so we have the split inside of us. Then all, there's all the ways that uh, that women have. I mean, you talk about the ways in which you you've let yourself be energetically violated, let yourself be touched and penetrated, et cetera, in ways that you didn't want to. And again, you are way more clear and conscious around your your body and your sexuality today than than your average woman. So, like, yes. A lot of women women have put up with a lot of touch and uh, sex that they did not like, mm -hmm. and maybe it was painful, or maybe it was even traumatizing them on a, a big or small way. So it's not horribly surprising or uncommon that this is showing in her physical form as she gets older. It's not horribly surprising that it's affecting her desire for sex. As I said, like it was a big question, and I have a lot of different pieces in it that that can be addressed. Oh yeah. Uh, and then just overall, women like the way in which women, especially of my generation and older, how we were acculturated around uh, uh, women's sex and desire, and then having their voice or speaking about what they really want or, or initiating, and fear of us being slut shamed or you know their sexuality being too much and on and on so all these things that have so many women cut off from the the truth uh, of their authentic sexuality and sensuality and and i'm quite honestly i'm sure i could go on even more <laughs> of, the, the, of factors that touch this this thing that you're speaking of so all of it things are coming <laughs> all of it need like to really create the change that you're speaking of all of it needs to be addressed yeah and i think we are it's just oh it's just slow. <laughs> painfully fucking slow can we speed up that process well we can guys eat mushrooms we, we can promise <laughs> <laughs> my last plug <laughs> Do you notice you're plugging mushrooms more than your book? <laughs> the Erotic Hustle, Redefining Sin Through Sacred Sexuality and Psychedelics. You don't even need uh, to read the book if you eat the mushrooms, you just know what's in it. <laughs> you're not a very good self-promoter. You don't even need to do the mushrooms if you read the book. It's a psychedelic experience in and of itself. I I'll do it for you. Don't need to, I don't need to promote myself. I believe I'm promoting myself by promoting the, the, the benefit of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> you promote the mushrooms, the mushrooms will promote you. Done. <laughs> Done. We are family. We are one. 
anyway, we could, you know we're losing the slide. We could easily go on. I I, I love dropping in with you. I, I really appreciate the friendship that we've developed over the course of a long time now, mm-hmm. and the ways in which our our paths continue to kind of go in parallel. <laughs> I like the fact that you've been hearing, you've known about my conscious erotic media tantric porn desire creative desires for over a decade and that you're still here in my life when i'm finally like picking back up and actually bringing it forward and continuing to be that reflection for me and little nudges and kicks in the butt so thank you for that yeah it's time it's time (laughs) um where can people find you yeah uh so lana shay S-H-A-Y, everywhere. I'm, I'm Googleable, but in <laughs> social media. It's also my website, lanashay.com. L-A-N-A-S-H-A-Y. And more will be coming soon. Uh, I'm continuing to do this work all the time. And there's also a lot of podcasts out there. So if you want to hear more, search. And my book mm-hmm. is everywhere. That books are sold, as I said earlier. So Listen to the audio version and, and post a review because I, I would love to know. That was an experience. And if you are somebody who has something, uh, a way to help support this vision, Alana's vision of um, of creating these conscious strip clubs, definitely um, you know reach out with your, your means of doing so, it's especially if you're like, oh, I would love to fund such a vision. Uh, I'm sure she would love to hear from you as well. <laughs> happy to have you be be a part of it also i've had a lot of a lot of men and women say i'll take all my money can i just like sit in the chair in the middle of the room and experience something so why hasn't it happened um building my team yeah okay so if you help support build the team <laughs> <laughs> all right thank, thank you lana always a pleasure thank you so much you're diving deep with Destin, sex, love, and evolution.